What's up, Story Geeks? Thanks for joining us today on the Story Geeks podcast. I'm Justin, and I'm joined today by my co-host for this series, Mr. Ryan Swindoll. How are you doing, Ryan? Justin Weaver. So glad to be here. <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad you're here too, man. I'm excited to join the community and dive into big life-changing ideas, huh? I know. Ryan and I couldn't be more excited about this. You are listening to the introduction to our summer season of conversation about video games. Ryan and I recorded a podcast last month as an introduction to interacting with video games, and we got some great responses to it, and that gave us the challenge to to think about how we could best organize and present some quality content around video games, and this season is the end result of that work. In this episode, we'll answer all the pivotal questions about this season, the most important of which is, why talk about video games in the first place? Mm-hmm. <laughs> we hope that'll get you ready to play some games with us and interact about them over the summer. So to hear the rest of this series and to check out all the other great content the Story Geeks have, be sure to join the Story Geeks Club on Facebook and follow the Story Geeks podcast on your favorite podcast provider. And the Story Geeks podcast is produced by the Reclamation Society. So Ryan and I are hosting this season of conversations and we'll have some other familiar Story Geeks faces and voices joining us for a couple episodes. But just as a quick introduction, I'm Justin and I've been on the Story Geeks podcast for the last three years or so as a recurring guest and then as a host. I'm what some would call a casual gamer. Video games have kind of come and gone throughout my life. I saw the term console journey online recently, so I thought I'd share mine, which is Game Boy, the classic like light green, dark green screen of Game Boy. So great. Yeah. Uh, I played some games like Star Wars Dark Forces on a PC. I got an N64, so I did play Goldeneye in my growing up years. I got an Xbox 360 in grad school, and that's what Ryan and I played a number of games together on, and now I'm playing games on a PS4. I'm married, and I live in Southern California with my wife, where I've had a variety of jobs, ranging from pastor to teaching improv comedy and after-school clubs. So I'm an interesting blend of like a counselor and an entertainer. So this podcast is still one of my favorite things where we get to talk about entertainment and the deeper things of life. Um, and then Ryan and I have been friends for just about my whole life. We were roommates in grad school for a couple of years. We were best men in each other's weddings. And now we get to do this podcast together. Ryan, we've only had you on as a guest one time, and now you're hosting. Congratulations. Um, can you just introduce yourself a little bit more and uh, let people know who you are? Absolutely. I'm Ryan Swindoll. I'm very much a serious gamer, if we can distinguish that from casual gamer. And by that, I mean that while my friends like to Netflix and chill or go on evening bike rides or curl up with a novel, I tend to unwind with a video game and can often be found after the kids go to bed, you know, nestled in my in my chair playing a good one. And I tend to be pretty picky about the games that I like, uh, mostly because I don't have infinite time and games can waste so much of it. So I try mm. to find stuff that's worth playing. And especially as a dad with two boys, uh, seven and six years old, I like to find games that I can either play or share some with them. Mm. And 
there's even this concept in the industry called the datification of games. Maybe huh. that'll come up at some point. The idea that all of these developers and managers of games have introduced themes of parenting and, and fatherhood because they too have become dads. We kind of live in a golden age where people are making games now of all kinds, and it can be hard to find stuff that's great. Mm. Uh, this is the boom of independent gaming or indie games. And so I am a fan of all of it. I've often had ambitions of making my own games, but never so much the resources to do it. Mm. It, would, it would take too much. It's kind of a medium that requires lots of people. Anyway, I live in Texas. I'm a designer and a communication specialist by trade. And I've got experience in nonprofits and self-publishing. I self-published a board game, Justin. I know. Which you I, and I, I played. play tested several iterations of it. And when we went through a recent move, I preserved two of them in one of the boxes. So I still have uh, remnants of that game. Nice. Yeah. I, I even found a review uh, online recently of some guy who had reviewed it, I think, in Australia. Oh, wow. I know. And totally, totally didn't get the rules right. And I was like, that's probably on me. <laughs> Writing rules is hard, people. Anyway, and then I recently wrapped the final draft of my first novel. So we'll see if that finds a publisher. Congratulations. So yeah, and I'm diving into podcasting now, which gave rise to our project here. I know. And what a transition that is. So let's dive into what this project is. The first thing to address is really just that. What, what exactly is the vision of this season? For those of you who have been listening to the Story Geeks podcast for a while, this season will feel really familiar. We're continuing the Story Geek tradition of dialoguing on meaningful themes and geek culture, but video games are a medium we have not spent time exploring yet. So we'll continue seeking truth and discussing big ideas just in a different storytelling format than we have before. In our first podcast that we previously recorded, we talked about how some of our best memories of playing video games were in community. That idea became one of the things that we wanted to focus on uh, in this project. So, Justin, if I could jump in here. You may. So, we used to play games together. We did. In community. Yes. I, I was just curious, who do you talk to? Because we don't talk about games now. Nope. Since we moved into different states. So where is your community around games today? I would say my wife is one of the people that hears me talk about games a lot. Whether or not she wants to be in that role, that's a different conversation. Um, but yeah, I was thinking about that. And one of the biggest reasons that games have come and gone from my life is just that I don't really have a community of people around playing them. If I was living with a roommate and they were playing games. I joined and we'd interact. But yeah, I haven't really had much of a community that I can interact with or play with recently. Have you? Yeah, no. I, I'd say the same thing. And some of that's because of my taste in games. Because I, I think a lot of people do have community around games, but they have it around the sport of the game. They play multiplayer games and mm -hmm. they enjoy... Um, the camaraderie of playing a a battle royale game where they're all trying to survive and right. there's really no theme or story to it it's just a diversion or a fun it's like playing football in the field 
Right. And with no story, it wouldn't be something we would bring to the Story Geeks podcast. Right. And so my interest in games really goes into that story dimension. And mm. I find that I can't find community of people who are talking about the story in games. And mm. if anything, I, I go online and I see, you know, Reddit rants. People <laughs> complaining or lauding the things they like about games, but the level of interaction is certainly not personal and doesn't involve that kind of collaborative dialogue that I mm. find so enriching when I read a great book and get into a community of people who have also read it and we can talk about it for several hours. Right. But it made me it made me a little bit envious of you know, great books and those kinds of communities, because I had to ask, like, why do great books get all the cool discussion groups and video games get nothing? And I mean, A, we need to fix that. <laughs> but <Yes>. B, <laughs> um, I think there's something to be said, similar to what you were just saying about the sport versus the theater, especially when video games started with things like Pong and Pac-Man they were talked about for the technical marvel that they are just new technology and incredible and interactive and all of that but there wasn't much to dive into in way of big ideas or themes or truth that we could realize from pong or pac-man and so i think that as games have evolved people haven't really involved in the way that they talk about games so it just kind of got relegated to a place where you experience it, but you don't really talk about it. That was kind of yeah. my thought on that. Yeah, and the two games you mentioned, Pong and Pac-Man, were you know arcade games. And arcades mm -hmm. were kind of uh, sports, <laughs> sports yeah. venues where you tried to achieve a high score and you traded quarters with the person next in line and... It was a contest to see who could, you know, get further along in the game. And those those really weren't very story-rich experiences. And it wasn't until, I think, the advent of personal computers and mm. interactive fiction, as that arrived in people's computers, they could enjoy kind of a, a choose-your-own-adventure type novel mm -hmm. for themselves. And there was still a kind of sport in the puzzle of it, but there was more opportunity for the story to shine in that kind of environment. But that's very individual. I mean, novels, you just go out and buy a book and read it, but computers, you had to like build this whole apparatus to even play the thing. And mm. how many people were there in your neighborhood or your church or your local community doing that kind of thing? And then you could ask them and talk with them about it. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I kind of had this, this thought running through my head. What keeps us from conversing deeply about games today? And I, I really think you're on to this, that most games today are still regarded as sport, not theater. Hmm. Uh, they're not regarded for their story as much as they're regarded for the fun of the gameplay. Right. And then even when there is a story in games, most of it is just too simple. It's mm. made for consumption. It's light on meaning. It's not very deep. It doesn't require an hour of conversation to understand because it's very, say, laden with tropes that are immediately accessible and don't require much thought. Right. It's fundamentally save the girl or 
kill the zombies or whatever. Um, not something that, yeah, needs to be fleshed out in community. Yeah, and there's so much game usually and so little story that it's spread thin over so many hours. And your brain just, mm. at some point, turns off while you play. Mm. It's also hard to find good games. There are not many curators out there. There's certainly no classics, and there's no academy kind of behind it. And the indie mm. explosion of lately has made it just impossible to rifle through the hundreds of new games that appear daily. Did you say hundreds of games daily? I said hundreds. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. It's it's insane. Like thousands of games were released on Steam last year. Wow. Yeah, ten, like tens of thousands. It's, it's just an unbelievable number of games. And these are mm. by independent developers. Some are individuals. Some are small teams. Some have giant budgets. Many do not. Mm. And I mean, they're all passionate enough about their games that they're spending their lives making it. But... Is it really worth your time to play? I mean, who could who could say? Right. And then I guess finally, it's really hard to analyze games because it's a complex medium. It's mm. hard to analyze film, I can imagine, in the same way. Mm. That's why I find something like Rotten Tomatoes or Metacritic really interesting because you get to read so many different perspectives on the same thing. Because when you're dealing with film or games, it is a complex medium. People are looking for different things. People are looking at different things. So mm -hmm. I value getting that score for Rotten Tomatoes or Metacritic, but then just being able to scroll through and see all the different ways that you can, all the different perspectives you can take on something. It's one of the things that I like about our dynamic because I've got a ton of experience with games and really the last decade of gaming I have mapped in my brain. Right all of the developments and things that happened. And because you've been touch and go with games as a more casual gamer, you have a fresher experience with, with things. Yes. And that was one of the things that made me feel like I could be a co-host on a podcast about video games because I am given the permission to have not played very many video games recently. So it'll be fun to bring that dynamic of kind of, fresh doe eyes where you get to lead us through the experience a little differently. So I guess my last question is, is it worth taking the time to like find the right games and discuss them in community? Yeah. When you asked me that question earlier, the quote that came to my mind was a life unexamined is not worth living. And I anticipate that was spoken a little bit more with the big moments in life or kind of your larger purpose in life uh, a little more at the forefront. But I have taken that sentiment and that kind of rule of life to be true of every element of life. It's important to think about the books you're reading, to think about the websites you're viewing, the movies you're watching, the food you're eating. And I'd say it's important to think about the games you're playing. So, um, I think that no one listening to this in the story geeks will be surprised by any of that, that examining any piece of art is worth doing. And I think more and more it'll be good to dive into this medium of art. So I think it goes without saying, but I'd love to hear 
what you think the value of discussing video games is. Well, we may have some people who are listening who are skeptical that games have much to offer by way mm. of discussion. And I, I, share, I share that sentiment because I have played many, many games that we should not waste a second of our time trying to discuss because it's not worth doing. If Jay or Daryl were here, they'd bring up the time they dove deeper into the movie The Meg, which was not worth diving deeper into. So, yes. We're, yes. I've, I've looked at this project, and I think the whole idea of selecting, say, five amazing games that our listeners may or may not be familiar with is really something that needs to be done, if only because... Now someone has said, here are five games that are worth talking about <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. that probably shouldn't even be ignored. Mm. You know, like here are five great novels, here are five great films, here are five great games. And we tried, I think, to select games for discussion here that would be worth your time, whether you are serious or a casual gamer yourself, mm. you'd find something to take away from it. Yeah. And so... All of those thoughts, are games worth playing? How can you find a game that is worth playing? They're kind of what led you and I to colloquially call this a book club for games. Um, Mm -hmm. I think there's been a lot we've learned collectively as a culture during this time of self-isolation. But one of the things is just how important human connection is. And while people may not be ready to join a book club or go play games with a group of strangers, you know, especially indoors and less than six feet from each other, we want to create that environment digitally. So just like we've been moving so much of our work to telecommuting and Zoom meetings, we want to at least begin to create a community digitally here on Facebook and over the podcast. Um, Ryan, you kind of have talked a little bit about how many games are out there and that you have played a lot of games that aren't worth playing and you've played some incredible games. Um, You created this list of games for this podcast. And before this podcast, I hadn't played any of the games on it. So please share a bit about why you wanted to create a list in the first place and then share about the criteria these games met to be included in the list for this first season. Yeah, so when we have a dialogue about big ideas, about life-shaping concepts and about texts or content that is worth our time and consideration, Uh, We need a starting place. We need a common text to build that upon. And so I wanted to make sure that we all began on a level playing field. No matter where you come from, you're going to find a place to begin with this list. So there was really a couple things that came to mind. I wanted us to be able to connect around games, regardless of whether people have played them before. Uh, They just needed to be high quality experiences. Yeah, And I also wanted them to be recent. And the mm. thing about games, because it's a relatively new medium and it's grown up so much, even in the span of our own lives, mm. the childhood favorites we grew up with tend to be difficult for others to get into huh. because the standards of playing uh, have changed over time. It's the, right. it's the manuals thing. <laughs> games mm. used to be 
package with manuals that taught you how to play. Now no one would be bothered to open a manual regarding a game. Huh. And so it, it can be very difficult to get into the old ones. Plus, graphics have totally evolved many times. Yeah, I feel like between graphics and storytelling, games are less two-dimensional now. Indeed. I'm just letting that bad pun sit there for a second. (laughs) We also wanted it to pass the I've got a family test Mm -hmm. because lots of games today are sold in part to make money and they try to take hours and hours of your time and invest your dollars in microtransactions or Mm. have you shell out the $60 fee to get in because there's so much content, but more content doesn't necessarily equate to a better text, like Mm. more things to talk about. And so my goal was, really the criteria for the selection of these five games was that they would be short form games, five hours or less. One exception is on our list because the game, it's our last in the series. You can spend a long time with it if you like, or you'll Mm. get the gist in five hours. Mm. But also the games are $20 or less, so they're not going to break your budget. And they're generally cross-platform PC, some are Mac, they're on console, Uh, We've got a cross-section of several genres represented in this. Mm -hmm. We're focusing on the single-player experience because we're we're kind of leaning toward theater as opposed to sport, though there's a lot of interesting challenge and player interest for a single player as as they enjoy these games. And I think all of them, without question, are essential recommendations. Like if you want to enjoy the best that games have to offer, you would go to this list. Mm. And the reason why some people may be unfamiliar with these games is simply because they are shorter. And Mm. shorter games just don't get a lot of press compared to the big, sprawling, open-world, AAA-type games and franchises. Yeah, And also they're non-violent. With, with one exception again on this list, these games are very you know, PG rated. And the, the one game that does dive into a little more violence does so with a lot of thoughtfulness. There's just a lot of violence that finds their way into games that is unthoughtful. And mm. frankly, is just not worth our time to just uh, senselessly engage in violence. Mm. in a game that isn't willing to interact in any level with the violence it's portraying. And Mm. so all these games in the content that they do have provide hooks for having discussion and processing and digesting and learning from from these games. And then finally, again, they're very accessible. And casual or serious gamers are going to find something to like in them. Mm. One of the things that I realized when we were preparing this was that you curated a list for me recently when my wife told you that she was buying me a PlayStation 4 and asked you for your recommendations. And you gave an Excel sheet of recommendations, why you recommended them, what I would love about this game. And a number of these games are on there. But then I love that you also put a number of games that I would like because, you know, while um, some of these games are going to have amazing things to talk about there are some games that i just like to go and shoot zombies you know there's something truly fun about that um but that's not the purpose of this podcast so i just have really valued your thoughtfulness and your intentionality in creating these curated lists and so i'm very excited to see what you have 
prepared and how you're going to host us uh, through this experience. I'm really excited about that. Absolutely. I wish that everyone had their own, you know, pocket curator of video games <laughs> available. And, but I mean, now everyone does. So yeah, we just we true. just got to get you out there. I'm just excited about this. Um, so if you are already following the Story Geeks Facebook page, you may have seen our posts this week revealing which games we'll be playing and discussing this season. But I would like to ask you, Ryan, to just share a little bit about each of these five games that you chose for this season. Oh, yes. So get excited. Here we go. We are beginning with uh, the appetizer. I, I feel like I'm a, I'm a waiter here. You <laughs> yes, know, a sommelier. Yes. This will pair nicely with your... You will enjoy uh, the Untitled Goose Game. Um, mm-hmm. That is our first game, and it's by a developer named House House. And it, it, if it already sounds absurd, it's because the game is <laughs> you play a goose. And I don't know if when the last time was you visited a park, if, if maybe you were a child and the geese chased you at some point, honking, you know, flapping their wings threateningly. Everyone has their own goose story. And this game is a game of goose stories that you create yourself. As you wage mischief upon a poor, unsuspecting suburban town. (laughs) This is the only game that I've played so far out of this list after you gave it to me. And Kim and I sat there cracking up playing this. It's a great place to start. It is. It's, It's so funny. And the music is genius. The game is so simple. There's a dedicated button for honking at people (laughs) and just watching how everyone interacts with the goose is is just priceless it's Mm. not a long game so you know you don't go into it expecting you're going to play 20 hours of being a goose and terrorizing the town but it has a beginning middle and end it has a difficulty progression you know it's a game and there are interesting themes that sit under the surface of this thing which we're going to unearth and You know, comedy is kind of a window into our souls, and often wisdom is hidden in these little comedic gems. So Mm. we're going to try to unpack that. It also is a showcase of just how experimental games can be. We're Mm. so used to the typical way a game looks and feels that when now we're embodying a goose and, you know, working with the way a goose runs and we have wings and how does that interact, it's just an example of how games can blast open the doors on what is possible for stories and for the way we interact with mm. narrative. So I'm, I'm so excited about that. So that's our first. Mm. Our second is, it's as much of a modern classic as a game can be. It's, it's called Journey, and it's by that game company. And it's a BAFTA award-winning game. It's a rich, wordless, visual story. That you play in a sequence of scenes. And it's in the category of a puzzle platformer, 3D, you navigate space. It came out uh, on the PlayStation 3 and only recently made its debut on PC. Hmm. So this game is very interesting because it can be read as an allegory, specifically of Buddhist philosophy and the expression of dharma and 
and the spiritual journey that one goes on over life. So we're going to unpack what the stages of that journey are and see what we can learn and glean from this amazing kind of classic game. Hmm. Just as a side note, that game was just given to all PlayStation owners over the summer during COVID-19, knowing that people were staying home. So I downloaded that game for free before I knew it was being included on this list. It's really one that everyone should own if they mm. can and, and play. It's, it's not too challenging, and people of all ages have found kind of a memorable experience from it that they'll take with them the rest of their mm. life. Wow. So then our third game takes a hard shift, and we, <laughs> we are playing a, a horror game Wow. <laughs> called Inside. It's by a company called Play Dead. <laughs> <laughs> Now, a lot of horror games, just like a lot of horror movies, would be very um, exploitative. You know, mm. they use cheap, cheap scares, gore, you know, they go for shock value. That's yeah. not this game. Mm. This is about as shocking as like a dystopian or Orwellian novel might be. Mm. And so I think it's one where any violence that occurs in the game is well merited given the world building of the game and gives you a lot to think about. In fact, you mm. play as a boy in the game and already your vulnerability being so young is immediately apparent and mm. frightens you as you're trying to navigate these intense puzzles as you are sneaking ever, ever closer into the heart of this dystopic city huh there's so much to unpack in that and and it's it's one of the games where the ending your jaw just drops to the floor it's oh my goodness it's, it's very intense and weird huh so it's also a game that if if you don't want to play you can very easily watch in two hours on youtube oh got it so that's the third game and the fourth takes another hard turn because we're jumping genres so much. But this this game is, uh, the fourth game is What Remains of Edith Finch by Giant Sparrow. Hmm. It is in the category of games that have been called walking simulators, which are very light on the sport of games and very heavy on the theater. Okay. So it's very much a game where you take your time to look at things and read things and consider things it's not a game where there's a lot of competition happening, but there are these little cinematic moments where you are surprised frequently. Mm. And it's for those moments that this game really stands head and shoulders above many others of its kind. Mm. Because I think you'll find that just as this character you lead, this, this young Edith Finch on this revelatory walk through a childhood home, you come to similar revelations about yourself as you go through her reflective journey in the same way mm. you might um, going into a, a theater show. Mm. So I'm, I'm very excited about that one. Yeah, and even just hearing that idea of someone walking through their childhood home, I don't know how many people have experienced that, but you know that is its own feeling and that brings up stories and thoughts and reminiscence. So I'm yeah, another reason I'm excited to experience that one. Yeah. 
Then our last game in the series, we're going to cover, you know, at the end of the summer. It's probably going to be in uh, September when this thing uh, goes live. But Mm -hmm. it's our longest game, and I think it clocks out around 15 to 20 hours. Okay. So if if people only get through five hours of the game, it's enough to enjoy it and get a sense for it. And it's, again, another game that you could play or or watch played online uh, Mm -hmm. fairly simply. But it's a rollicking space adventure that mm. takes place 22 minutes before the death of the universe. <laughs> I'm so intrigued because you're saying 15 hours in yeah, 22 right? minutes. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and this is, I don't want to give so much away because okay. this is part of the surprise of it. But Got you it. play as an alien Boy Scout and you are, you've strapped yourself to a wooden rocket ship. And I couldn't think of anything <laughs> more dangerous. It's really, it's a race of aliens that just throw caution to the wind and decide (laughs) we're going to go exploring. And half of the early explorers have become marooned on various (laughs) planets in the solar system. And so part of your adventure is finding them and hearing their stories. And it's, it's a dear game and one that I think its creators spent about 10 years refining Oh, wow. And so we're experiencing a very polished final game that represents this long-form reflection of someone's life. And mm. it, it really comes across, especially in its, in its ending sequences that really take mm. you into the heart of this idea about what it means to indwell a solar system. So it's my favorite game from last year, and it just had to make this list, even though it, it kind of broke the bounds of, of our criteria a little bit. <laughs> I just would be remiss if I didn't put it on the list for everyone to enjoy. And you gave it a glowing praise and approval in our first podcast, so this was one that I wanted to play, so I'm very glad you included it on the list. So that's it. That's the five games. Awesome. And so I want to invite you, our listener, to join us for whatever of that you can and are interested in. If it's watching one of the games on YouTube or playing all five of the games like I will be doing, um, I think the biggest thing is just to join us in the conversation. And to use Story Geek's terms, this season will feel a lot like a Dig Deeper series. Um, Ryan, you've played these games. What are some of the things you anticipate all of us talking about? Yeah, I think our template will be pretty simple. We'll begin with a brief analysis of the game, kind of looking at the gameplay or the sport aspect of the game. What's the challenge that the player is overcoming as they play? And we'll also look at the story or the theater of the game. What's the characters and the setting and the world building and what are the arcs and what do we learn uh, thematically as we play? And this discussion, I think, will give us an opportunity to just get out what are some of the emotions that we had when we played and what Mm. did we start to think about as we had this experience. Mm. We'll segue from that into a meatier discussion on really the big ideas that the game makers are presenting, Mm. the ideas, the themes that the game focuses on explicitly. And we'll try to identify a couple core questions and have some discussion on that. Mm. And then finally, we'll have a little takeaway section where we, we ask what did we ourselves learn about the world, ourselves, and about truth. 
Mm. So that's, I think that'll be the, the summary of each episode. And what we hope to do is have some interaction online with you all as we are doing this so that we can bring in some of your questions and reflections as we, as we have this conversation together. Yes. And while these podcasts won't be recorded live right now, so we can't have that group discussion in the podcast itself, we want the weeks leading up to the recording of the podcast to be that discussion. So we'll be talking about one game per podcast, and we will have about two weeks between podcasts to give everyone two weeks to play the game, to jump on Facebook and discuss it with us. So I've mentioned Facebook a couple of times, and that will be the hub of the conversation. So when this podcast is posted, you can go to the Story Geeks Facebook group and find the beginning of the conversation about Untitled Goose Game and jump in with your first impressions. What are you thinking about? How are you enjoying it so far? And the conversation will go from there. So please join us on Facebook for that conversation. Feel free to add your comments, questions, really any interaction you're having with the ideas in that thread, and we'll try to feature that conversation on the show. And some of you may not be able to play the games with us uh, for, for one reason or another. Maybe you don't have a machine to play it or uh, the game is incompatible. I would encourage you to check those settings before you, you go on a spending spree. Uh, buying them all because some may not work on your your device. Thankfully, because the games are shorter, it will be easier to go on and watch a playthrough on YouTube so that you can still engage in the dialogue about the themes and ideas in uh, in these games. Awesome. So, Ryan, we're at the beginning of this season of podcasts talking about five games that you already love. What do you hope will come out of this season? Justin, I just enjoy introducing people to great experiences. It's like when you can give a glowing recommendation for a great series on television or mm. an amazing book you've read. These mm. are these are the games I would recommend to people and it's so great to be able to just say it loud and proud. Mm. <laughs> you nice. if you play these games, you'll remember them the rest of your life. There is there is enough here to to unpack and so i'm excited that we're going to be talking about these games and i'm also eager to replay them because i totally expect to learn new things as we have this conversation i think in dialogue other people are always bringing out new ideas and through their own experience and lens and background and i'm Mm -hmm. excited to learn from you and and from our listeners as we all engage in these ideas Mm. And, and what about you, Justin? Well, first of all, I'm excited to be doing this with you. Mm. I love creating content with you. But I've told Jay, who is the executive producer of the Story Geeks podcast, that I feel like when I'm hosting these conversations and thinking about what different creators have tried to tell us about how they view the world um, through movies and TV shows and video games, it allows me to use so many different parts of me. It allows me to think critically about life. It allows me to be empathetic. It allows me to just love pop culture. So I'm just excited to think deeply 
and examine the meaningful things in games. And I'm excited to play these five new games. Nice. Additionally, our hope is that this would become its own podcast in the future, sort of under the Story Geeks umbrella. But much of that will depend on its reception and your responses to this idea. So we look forward to interacting and hearing how you like it. If you love what the Story Geeks are about or want more video game content specifically, you can consider supporting us on our Patreon. Remember, you can join the Story Geeks Club for free. The link to the club is in the show notes, and that's where you'll be able to interact with us and each other about the games, and we'll use some of those game comments and interactions in the podcast as we learn from each other, like Ryan was saying. And you can learn more about the Story Geeks at thestorygeeks.com. You can also subscribe to the Story Geeks podcast on your favorite provider. Come back in two weeks to hear our conversation about Untitled Goose Game, and please join us in that conversation on Facebook. And remember, question everything in your favorite geek stories, and always seek the truth.